Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. All right, well, um, this is a series of messages that I'm in called The Power of Sacrifice. So over the, I, I shared one message a couple of weeks ago, and now I'm diving right back into that series, The Power of Sacrifice, and we're learning what this means from the Bible perspective, the New Testament perspective. So uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 is our key text that we'll be looking at here in just a moment. Hey, but did you know today on the biblical calendar, the Bible calendar, is a special day for the Hebrew people, and it's called Pentecost. Have you ever heard of that before? Pentecost. Okay, Pentecost is this, it's, I guess you can say the best terminology for it would be like a harvest festival. That's what it really, really was. It was the end of the harvest season, and, or it was actually kind of the beginning of the harvest season. It was a big festival, and, and it was a time of, of sacrificial offerings and all of that. It was really, really an, an incredible time in Jerusalem, and still is. It is still celebrated to this day. Jews today, today, are celebrating Pentecost. Now, Pentecost Actually, the word pente means 50, so it is 50 days after Passover. But it's interesting how it falls on the Christian calendar. It falls exactly seven weeks after the resurrection. So whenever we celebrate Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, it's always seven weeks after that that Pentecost happens, and it happens on a Sunday, which is actually kind of a little bit of an odd day for uh, for for the um, for, for something to be on the Jewish calendar. But, but here it is. And I think it's really interesting how God set this up. But, uh, but it was also a time where people brought their, what was called their first fruits offering, their first fruits offering. And there's a terminology that went, went along with Pentecost, and it was called Shabbat. Shabbat. You guys want to learn some Hebrew? Say Shabbat. Shabbat. Now, say it again, Shabbat. You, some of you guys know you want to say a Shabbat. Yeah, okay. You, you've said it. Now you speak Hebrew. So that term in Hebrew speaks of this first fruit celebration, this harvest festival, this Pentecost celebration. And, and it's interesting because Pentecost Sunday is considered to be the birthday of the church. So we believe that the church of Jesus Christ was born on Pentecost, which was seven weeks after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, Here's how it worked is, is after Jesus had died and was resurrected, he had, he had gone around for several weeks and had visited his, his friends and other people who had followed him. And, and, and right at the very end, he was about ready to ascend into heaven. They didn't know that was getting ready to happen. They weren't ready for the ascension. They didn't have their, their iPhones out ready to, to, to shoot video of it or anything like that. They'd, nor did they have any artists there to actually do an artist rendering of what was happening. But he was there with a bunch of his believers at the Mount of Olives, and he told them this. He said, I want you to return to Jerusalem, which is not far from the Mount of Olives, and I want you to stay there, and I want you to pray, and I want you to just keep praying until the Holy Spirit comes and you're going to receive some power. And I don't want you to start doing any evangelism. Don't try to start doing anything until you receive that power. After you receive that power, then you guys are going to, you, you'll know it. You'll know it when it happens. And 
sure enough, on that day of Pentecost, it was incredible. In fact, 3,000 people were saved on that very day. They came to Christ as a result of this, this brand new power that was given to the church. Well, I just want to read to you a little bit of the passage from this, from Acts chapter 2, because uh, th- there are some interesting things in here that we're going to take a look at here in just a minute. Uh, I didn't ask you to turn there, but I just want you to listen to this. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. That's where Jesus had told them to be. And there were about 120 of them that, that were there at that time. It says, Suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues or other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Now, when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. And down in verse 12, it says, they said, we hear them declaring the wonders of God or the praises of God or the exaltations of God in our own tongues and languages. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? So people, here's, here's, what's, here's what's key here. People were praising God with their lips. Supernaturally, they were doing it in a variety of languages that they didn't know or had ever understood. But, but today I want to look at, the, at something that happened uniquely on the day of Pentecost. People were worshiping God spontaneously as the Holy Spirit enabled them. They were already in an attitude of worship, but God gave them these new words, and they, they didn't even understand, but they were worshiping, and they were praising God, and, and, and worship and praise were just filling the atmosphere. Now, at the same time as their lips were giving praise, simultaneously, there were these Jews from all over, I mean, all over the then known world. These are followers of Jehovah. They had come from these various nations, and they were there to celebrate Pentecost. Now, that was happening. People, this, this, this incredible thing was happening over here, and at the same time, all of the Jews were doing something different, but they, they caught their eyes because they were celebrating the Feast of First Fruits. That's what Pentecost is. Pentecost is the Feast of First Fruits. So they were bringing sacrificial offerings from their fields. This is interesting. They were bringing these fruits and vegetables, grain. They were bringing this from their fields, and they were bringing it as an offering to God. Simultaneously, so as they're carrying this stuff, walking into Jerusalem, walking around the temple, simultaneously, a very different kind of sacrificial offering was being lifted up, and it was the fruit of their lips, which was praise. In fact, the title of today's message, I don't know if I, I may have missed sharing this with you, but the title of today's message is The Sacrifice of Your Lips. The Sacrifice of Your Lips. Now, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, it states it this way. Look at this. Now, th- this, isn't, this is really exciting because Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, that's where I had you turn. We see this, the writer here is challenging people in how to sacrifice appropriately because sacrifice is important. We'll talk about how, how important it is here in just a second. But he's challenging them how to sacrifice appropriately, but it is in the spirit of the Pentecost festival. Now, verse 15, take a look at it. It says, 
Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually to offer to God a sacrifice. There it is, a sacrifice of praise. The fruit, not from the fields, but the fruit of our what? Lips that openly profess his name. Verse 16, and do not forget to do good and share with others for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. I'll say it again. With such sacrifices, God is pleased. So what you may not have caught, like I had never caught until I was paralleling the celebration of of Pentecost along with this scripture, is this scripture actually highlights the exact things that people were commanded to do at the Feast of Pentecost. Shabbat. Shabbat. You said that a few minutes ago. They brought the first fruits offering to the temple. And part of it is they were supposed to find needy people and make sure their needs are taken care of and give them extra food and supplies. It's like, in a sense, it's like what we're doing today with Jack. That's what the church was doing. That's what happened supernaturally. On, so that was happening already, but then God did something else in, the, in God's people. I, I, I just think it's incredible that Shabbat is all about exactly what we see right there in that, that scripture. And today, Pentecost Sunday, we're doing the same thing. We're bringing the fruit of our lips. We're giving and we're sharing. And, and again, we're honoring Jack. You don't have to live under that bridge anymore because God's people have stepped in and we're doing what Pentecost is all about. We're actually doing it and following through. But at the same time, we're also honoring praise to God. Now listen to it again, Hebrews 13, 15. Get this. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. So, let's deduce something here. How is God pleased? God is pleased through sacrifice. Do you hear me? God is pleased through sacrifice. Now, the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament is the same God. The very first sacrifice was actually in the Garden of Eden. And if you look at the term sacrifice all throughout the Bible, you'll find it everywhere in the Scriptures all the way through the book of Revelation. So He is the same God. God is pleased through sacrifice. Now, the only type of sacrifice that's not required now is the blood sacrifice because of Jesus. I shared about that a couple weeks ago when I shared my message called the blood sacrifice. So Jesus paid the price. Therefore, we right now are exempt from participating in the blood sacrifice. But Jesus put something in there as to say, now I want you to start doing this. And that is Holy Communion. That is where we recognize the blood sacrifice. So you're not exempt from participating in Holy Communion. Isn't that beautiful? So we still are participating in it, but we don't actually do it anymore. And I'm kind of glad for that. How how, how about y'all? Yeah, I'm I'm really glad about that. But there's something that is happening in our culture that I want to draw your attention to. Our culture has taken this term sacrifice, and and please know, in my studies, the term sacrifice throughout all of history has always been a religious term. It has always been a religious term. And they are now, our culture, saying, well, you're supposed to sacrifice for your family or sacrifice for uh, for your retirement. You need to sacrifice for our political group. You need to sacrifice for the company. You need to sacrifice... 
and using a term that has always, throughout all of history, been, been designated simply for the things of worship. It's now being watered down, and, uh, and it's, it's taking on a, different, a very different meaning. And I, I just wanted to challenge you to think about that. You see, I believe it is in our hearts naturally to sacrifice. That's something that God put there. But if you're not sacrificing to God, you're going to find yourself sacrificing to something else or someone else or even yourself. I, I believe this is where a lot of people get misguided because the culture, again, the culture has taken a strictly religious term, and it is. It is a strictly religious term. It has taken a religious term, and it has loosely applied it now even to politics and economics. But here's what I find interesting. Politics and economics are the new gods of this world. People are worshiping politics and worshiping the economy like never before and sacrificing for all of that. You know what? All that kind of stuff's good and fine, but I'm not going to sacrifice for that. I'm going to sacrifice in a way that pleases my God because sacrifice has always been associated with worship. Now, the Greek term sacrifice that we find in that passage of Scripture in the book of Hebrews means, is, is the Greek term thusia, which means to kill or slaughter for a purpose. <laughs> to kill or slaughter for a purpose. So, you know... The next time someone says he needs to sacrifice for our political group, you know, say, oh, kill or slaughter for a purpose? I don't know about that. That's not really what the scriptures say. I, I don't think I'm going to do that. I want you to be thinking people with me. Think, 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 think closely here. See, sacrifice is a divine institution. That means it was set up by God. It did not originate with Man, it originated with God and has always been a form of worship. And I'll, hear, I'll still say this today. Sacrifice is still a form of worship. And you're going to worship one thing or another. You're going to sacrifice for one thing or another. That's just the way it's going to be. And a huge part of the sacrifice as New Testament believers is what I'm talking about today. The sacrifice of our lips, which is verbal praise. Verbal praise is a sacrifice. It is a sacrifice. Oh, yes, it is. You are actually killing and slaughtering for a purpose. You are. You really are. You think, well, I'm not doing anything. That's, that's not a sacrifice. I can just sing praise to God, whatever. Well, maybe you become accustomed to it, and you can, and you do, and it's part of your tradition. You, you do, and you sing, and you speak praise to God, and that's, that's right. But for many others, in fact, a lot of other people who have even been in church for a long time don't do it. I mean, why is it that praise is very, very difficult for some people? I mean, why is it that a lot of people will say, and I've, I've been told this, I've just come to, pray, come to church, I think my praise. Well, I, you know, I, I, if you can show me the scripture in the Bible that says, think your praise to the Lord, think hallelujah, then I'll be with you. If you can show me in the Bible where it says, I had a thought of praise to the Lord and he was exalted, it starts with your brain, but it goes through your what? Your mouth. Why is it so difficult for us to praise when we're in a bad mood? Why is it that we'll come in and say, well, I'm just going to let the person on stage do it for me, and I'll watch them, and I'll look at the words, and I'll, that'll be enough for me. Why is it so difficult? I mean, why, why do some choose to, uh, you know, it's praise time, so I'm going to stand mute for the next 20 minutes. Yeah. I'm thinking Praise. I'm sorry, guys. It don't work that way. It doesn't work that way. 
See, what you're doing is you're killing something when you begin to speak and you begin to sing. You're killing something. Verbal praise kills your pride. It does. It kills your pride. I'll be so bold to say this right now. The most prideful people are the people who can't sing or can't give praise to God. Yeah. And, and here you have a choice. You have a choice. You can either kill your own pride. You can slaughter your own pride through verbal praise or God will actually show you how to be humble. And you don't want God to make you humble. Don't pray, God, make me humble. No, no, no. You, may, you humble yourself. And one of the easiest and best ways to do it, it kills pride when you worship. I have many times I've gone into worship atmospheres and I've not felt like it. I might have even been upset or had a sore toe. I, I might, may have had a bad day. I, I possibly, I've had it before where my entire sermon gets wiped off the computers and disappears from everything. Or my notes are gone. Uh, and I don't feel like saying anything to God, but I come in there like, God, I love you. God, I worship you. And then after a couple minutes, I'm yeah, okay, I do love God. God, okay. God, God, I, I let go of all this. It's not all about me. It's not all about me. It's about you. With such sacrifices, verbal praise, speaking words of praise, God is pleased. Jesus, I love you. So you might say, but I don't know what to say. Well, we put the words in the screens, and they're usually right. So just follow along, and if they're wrong, just say what's up there anyway. You, you don't want to even stand by me during praise and worship because sometimes I just sing the wrong words. I just, I just sing the wrong words, but I'm, it's in my heart. I'm just happy that I love God. I just, I'm just sing or say something. You know, sometimes Rebecca says, just like, why do you say the wrong words? I don't know, but it just, it, it doesn't matter. I am, I don't matter. It doesn't matter because I'm not going to be living in pride. It's like, if I don't get it right. Yeah. And you can verbalize your praise outside of singing to God. It's just by saying, Jesus, I love you. You may not know how to give praise to God, but simple words, Jesus, I love you. And you can say it over a thousand times and he's not going to get tired of it. It may seem repetitious to you, but you're actually sacrificing your pride when you do that. Here, here's just a few others. Verbal praise kills our fear. It does. Oh, yeah. I remember this time. Uh, I was about uh, 10, maybe 11 years old. My dad was pastoring a church in Hastings, Nebraska. Any of y'all ever been to Hastings, Nebraska? Okay, yeah, it's not an exciting place to be. It's just uh, out in the middle of the cornfields in Nebraska. But my dad was pastoring a church up there, and it was a Sunday evening. We had Sunday evening church, and, and, uh, and then all of a sudden the tornado sirens go off. You know, you know the sound. Come on, you live in Texas. You know the sound. They have those up there, too. And that was before you could pull up a phone and look on your Doppler radar to see exactly where it was. They would just go. And so they go off, and my dad's preaching, and, and I can see him kind of hesitating and thinking. And then all of a sudden, the lights go out. Okay, so we're in church. The power goes out. The sirens are going. And so my dad says, you know, I just think it's wise that we all just go down into the basement. That, that's where we had basements in, you know, at the... Uh, in, up there, we don't have basements around here, except the Alamo, it does have a basement, but, but there are no basements here, no, it doesn't, but there are no basements around here, unless you just live in a really strange place, it just, they just don't happen here, and so we all went down into the basement, and I remember as a, t I was scared, it was dark, nobody had like phone flashlights or anything, we had a few people who had little flashlights, and, and uh, a few people in the church who smoked, they started lighting their lighters and that kind of stuff, and I'm like, thank God for them. <laughs> that, that came in handy. 
It did. It did. It came in really handy that day. It's like, thank you, God. I never thanked God for the smokers before. I was thanking him that night. And, but then in the, that moment, I was scared. They were in a dark basement, huddled together. And we were probably about 100 of us. We were all huddled together in that basement. And, and then out of nowhere, there's this man in the church who played his trumpet. And he brought his trumpet down. He had always played it during praise and worship. And he started playing Amazing Grace. And then the whole church downstairs in the dark, it was like a little concert, you know, with <laughs> trumpets, amazing grace. And we were singing, smile came over my face, and all of a sudden the fear was gone. The fear was gone. Verbal praise kills our fear. And with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Verbal praise. I'll just here's another one. Verbal praise also kills our sloth. I mean, you, it, it, it's going to make you get out of bed and do something. I'm going to actually do it. Slothfulness actually opposes worship. Verbal praise kills our sloth. And with such sacrifices, God is what? God is pleased. You want to know how to please God? You sacrifice. And why do we give verbal praise? Well, it's because, why do we sacrifice with verbal praise? Well, it's because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We sacrifice to thank him for his sacrifice. I mean, Jesus, he, 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 he gave us the cross. He gave us his blood, and he, he gave us his love and his forgiveness and his freedom and his compassion. And so that reminds us to continually be in a place of verbal praise to God. In fact, we don't start off the services with praise and worship by singing as just an introductory time so everybody can kind of get in and get warmed up and stand up and loosen up a little bit. It's like, okay, I'm feeling a little bit better. Kind of got a little bit of a mini workout in here. Yeah, feeling good. Hola. Okay, uh, I'm feeling better. That's not why we do it. We do it to worship the God of the universe. It has purpose. It has function. And God is very pleased with such sacrifices. In fact, we're going to make the sacrifice so much easier in this church because starting next in two weeks, you can still come at the same time and you will not miss praise and worship at all. <laughs> we got to set up for you. Oh, I love it. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Our bodies are a living sacrifice. Your body includes your what? Your lips, your mouth, right? That's part of it. I mean, how did Job, how did he get through that horrible time that we see written about in the book of Job when he was basically experiencing hell on earth? Well, no, what he did is he fell on the ground. He began to verbalize his praise to God. I mean, if you want to make it through tough times, what you got to learn to do is you got to learn to verbalize your praise. Now, I know it's easier said than done. It sure is. But there is no better way. That's how Job got through his dark night of his own soul going through his pain. That's how David, that's how he survived the wilderness years. That's how Paul and Silas broke out of prison. They're all, I mean, it's all through the scripture. So what's holding you back? Here's your challenge. I want you to look at this. this is, I'm going to put this on the screens for you. Don't allow what's wrong with you to keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Because some of you right now, leave that up there for a minute. Some, some of you right now, you're going, but you don't understand me. I'm messed up. Well, I'm not looking at you being messed up. And God's not, you know what? Why are you going to not praise God because you've made mistakes or because you've messed up? 
Don't allow what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. In fact, look at that. Will you say it with me? Come on, say it with me. Don't allow what's wrong with you to keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Come on, say it. Some of you, I, you didn't move your lips. All right, we're going to do this again. I, I looked at you and some of you are going to mute again. <laughs> I will not, I will not. No, I have too much pride in my life. I'm a proud person. I won't say it. Am I, am I, am I pushing it too hard? Am I being mean? Okay, come on. All right, say it with me. And I won't even look. So if you don't want to, it's for you and God. Come on. Don't allow what's wrong with you to keep you from worshiping what's right with God. See, don't allow that voice of condemnation keep you from worshiping the God of the universe. Sing over your life, regardless of what's going on in it. Because, and, and worship is not some kind of performance. Because if it's all about singing right, making it perfect, having the right tone and voice, if that was all it's about, then it's wrong because that's performance. God doesn't care about the performance. He cares about the verbal praise with such sacrifice. And you know what? It's a bigger sacrifice when you can't sing right. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's a bigger sacrifice. That's why it's a sacrifice, because most people can't sing perfect. Amen. Yeah. Jordan said, amen. Man, people would try out. Good night. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know what? The, but the hardest praise is the highest praise. God loves it when we least. God, 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 God just loves us, you know. Uh, when, when we least expect it or when we least deserve it. It really does. And if you worship God only when you feel like worshiping, what's going to happen is you're going to worship less and 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 less. When you do worship Him in spite of how you feel, give Him high praise. The truth is the best really is yet to come. And don't forget, you are His joy. Is He your joy? <laughs> Another one here is what you don't turn into praise turns into pain. I'll get that whole band up here. Come on. What you don't turn into praise turns into pain. If you keep internalizing what's going on in your life and you're not praising God through the middle of it, what's going to happen is that stuff's going to get worse. That little offense is going to become a ton of bitterness over time and it's going to, it's going to drown you in hurt. It's going to drown you in pain. That's why you have to worship God in the middle of whatever's going on. And if you can keep complaining and complaining and complaining about what's happening in your life instead of worshiping God, that pain is going to become a compound fracture and it's just going to get worse and worse. And you find yourself then alienating yourself from God and you alienate yourself from others. That's what happens while a lot of people will back out of church. They will back out of, of, of fellowship with other believers. They just hide and they isolate themselves. Why? It's because they were hurting and they refused to turn it over to God through worship and praise. Not here, my friends. We're not going to do that here. Even though you might feel like it, we're not going to do that here. Sing. Sing it. Sing out like you actually believe what's on the screens. Because you do, right? You do believe it. You do believe it. And just tell your face to reflect what you're singing as well. Tell your hands to reflect it. And, you know, if you can stand, then you stand and you worship God. I want us to do that. In fact, I want us to practice that. We're going to practice that today. I'm going to ask you today, will you bring, before we leave, will you bring a sacrifice, a sacrifice of praise with your lips, verbal praise verbal praise and not just in this room but as you leave here 
And remember, if you don't know what to say, you just say, Jesus, I love you. Back to the day of Pentecost. You know what? I, I wonder if part of the reason why God had them praying in a spiritual language, they were praying in tongues, I wonder if it was because they just ran out of their own words and they didn't know how to worship God anymore. Like, I've been praising God for 10 days now saying, God, I love you. Okay, I like you. God, you're my friend. Okay. And, just, and God just gave them a whole new language to worship him. You know what? When I run out of words to praise God with, that's when that spiritual language kicks in. See, you know, you guys get that? Pentecost. Pentecost. It's about the sacrifice of your lips, the fruit of your lips, giving thanks. Come on, church, will you stand to your feet? And I'm going to ask you to begin to sing and worship the Lord with your lips and your mouth and just look at those words or just close your eyes, enter in and sing to God. Let's break some pride. Let's break some fear. Let's break some sloth. Let's see God break through on the scene in your life through worship and praise right now. Come on, lead us in praise.
given us the ability to give you verbal praise. And will you right now, just wherever you are, will you just commit to the Lord, I'm, I'm going to be a person of verbal praise. I'm going to be a person who gives a sacrifice of verbal praise to God. It's a sacrifice, the fruit of your lips. You just do that before God right now, just with your own words. God, I, I'm just going to commit. I'm going to commit to this. I'm not going to let pride, I'm not going to let sloth, I'm not going to let fear stand in the way any longer. I'm going to be a person who sacrifices verbal praise, verbal praise. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Everyone's that. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.